Ooh, man, was that good. It was, so don't let it overtake you this afternoon, all right? Pay attention. And uh, I'll not keep you long, okay? First Peter chapter 1, I heard that. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, you follow along with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question as we begin this afternoon. And the question is real simple. Have you ever been discouraged in your life? Has there been circumstance of your life that has brought you very low or that has brought you to a place of feeling somewhat hopeless or feeling defeated, feeling down, feeling discouraged? Have you ever been discouraged? And maybe even the question could be redirected. Are you currently experiencing a measure of discouragement in your life? So that's the question. And you no doubt would answer, yes, I have experienced discouragement at times. And maybe even some of you right now would say, currently am experiencing a measure of discouragement. The very next question that needs to be asked, though, is how do you deal with it? How do you handle it? How do you deal with discouragement in your life? What are you doing or what have you done to deal with this issue that, that really does plague the mortal condition, the human condition. And so this afternoon, briefly, I want to talk to you about dealing with and defeating discouragement in our life. I'll never forget a story that I heard once, and it was an illustration that was being given. But I won't forget it because it was, it was, it was pretty powerful in its scope uh, when it was given. And the illustration or the story that was told was about a, a pastor who was teaching his Sunday school class. And he asked his, cl his class this question. In your time of discouragement, what is your favorite scripture? And that's a really good question to ask in dealing with discouragement. What is your favorite scripture? What do you look to? What do you grab onto for some, some hope and some encouragement? And there was a, there was a man in the, in the class who piped up and he said, well, I like Psalm 23, 1 that says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Great encouraging passage of scripture in a time of discouragement. Well, that gave some courage to some other people. And there was another middle-aged woman in the class who 
responded with, well, I like Psalm 46 in verse 1 that says, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Another encouraging passage of scripture to deal with times of discouragement, that God is a very present help, current, right now, in time of trouble. Well, there was another person in the class that quoted John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Great message from the Lord Jesus Christ to encourage people. But then there was one man who was an old man. His name was John. He was 80 years old at the time. He had a head of white hair. He had dark black skin. And he stood up in the midst of the class and with as much strength as he could muster as an 80-year-old man, he simply said, and it came to pass. He said that is recorded 85 times in the Bible. It came to pass. And the class started to laugh just a little bit, thinking that old John, his lack of memory was maybe getting the best of him at the moment because it didn't make sense to him. Well, then, as the snickering sort of stopped, John said this, he said, at 30 years old, I lost my job. I had 600 kids and a, and a wife to feed. I didn't know how I was going to make it. At 40 years old, my eldest son was killed overseas in the war. It knocked me down. It defeated me. At 50 years old, my house burned to the ground. Nothing was saved out of the house. And then at 60 years old, my wife of 40 years got cancer. It slowly ate away at her. We cried together many a night on our knees in prayer until she finally died. I miss her still today. The agony I went through in each of these situations was unbelievable. I wondered where God was. But each time I looked in the Bible, I saw one of those 85 times where the Bible says it came to pass. And I felt that God was telling me my pain, my circumstances, those were also going to pass and that God would get me through it. In every one of those times, in the context, it may not mean what he's referring to, it came to pass. But the thought is real that the trials of life are temporary that sometimes we do go through them. Sometimes discouragement happens because of things we're going through in life, but they're not eternal. They're not forever. And I want to talk to you about dealing with and defeating discouragement. And again, 1 Peter chapter 1, for those of you who weren't in here already, we've read this passage already before you got here, but 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible 
and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. It's already there. It's waiting on you. It's reserved for you. It's never going to pass away or fade away. We'll talk about that in a minute. And he says, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We're just waiting for the consolation of our hope. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us through the word of God today. Thank you so much for it. Thank you for this day. And I pray again that you'd meet with us here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, understand this, that life can be discouraging. I know I'm not telling you something you don't know. That was a revelation to you, right? Life can be discouraging. Verse 6 tells us so. Verse 6 says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, through all different kinds of trials and testing, adverse experience. That's what that's talking about. It can cause heaviness in life, and life can be discouraging. What we need to remember is that Peter is writing to saints of God who are persecuted, who were in tribulation, if you will, who were forced to leave their homes because of their faith in Christ. It was written against the backdrop of pain. It was written against the backdrop of suffering. And Peter is encouraging these saints to keep the right view of things, keep the right perspective of things, because even in the middle of your trouble, even in the middle of your heaviness, even in the midst of your suffering and the trial, you can still have joy and victory in your life. Sometimes the road that we have to travel in life is one of heaviness. It's one of discouragement. It's one of hardship. Sometimes that's the road we have to travel in life. In Numbers chapter 21 in verse 4, talking about the nation of Israel and how they had to go around the, 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 the land of Edom, the Bible says that, that the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. The soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way that they had to walk, the road that they had to travel. And you know what? That's not much different than life for us sometimes. The road that we have to travel can bring much discouragement to the soul. Sometimes, though, it's a road that we've chosen for ourselves. It's a road that we have made for ourselves. Sometimes it's our poor choices that have ended up taking us down the current road that we're on. That is true sometimes. And many times in situations like that, our all-consuming thought becomes, I've got to find a way out. I've got to find a way through this mess. I've got to find a way to, to greener pastures, to happier times. Because I don't want this. Well, the problem that so often happens is that we end up making things worse when we try to manufacture our own plan to fix the mess that we've gotten ourselves into. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go down a hard path. 
Sometimes that's the road that he wants us to travel. Like these saints to whom Peter was writing. They didn't choose it for themselves. And yet it was true in their life. I can imagine their persecution was hard. I can imagine that there must have been sorrow along the way. But sometimes that's the road that we have to travel. And life can be discouraging. Sometimes there are burdens that we have to bear that are heavy burdens. In Nehemiah chapter 4, in verse 10, where the Bible describes rebuilding the wall, the Bible says there in Nehemiah 4 and verse 10 that the strength of the bearers of burdens was decayed. You ever felt like that? You're bearing burdens and you have to continually bear the burdens and you feel like your strength is just waning. The strength of the bearers of burdens was decayed. It was gone. You ever feel like hopeless? You ever feel like, what's the point? I guess nobody does. Maybe one person. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 with me. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and note the words of the Apostle Paul here. In verse 27 of Second Corinthians 11, Paul says, "In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness." Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. <laughs> Notice what he's saying here? All of the external things, and you can read in the verses prior to this, he lists how he was beaten with rods and he was stoned three times. He was shipwrecked. Uh, night and day in the deep. He's just talking about all of the perils in his life. And then in verse 27, he says, in weariness, I'm tired, in painfulness, in watchings. And beside all of those external things in my own life, besides that, I need to bear the burdens of the things that come daily, the care of all the churches. What's he talking about? Is he talking about the maintenance on the buildings of all the churches? I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's talking about your burdens. He's talking about the burdens of the people and the care of the sheep to make sure that they're safe and that they're fed and protected. He's like, it's not just the stuff in my own life. It's all of the other things as well to help bear the burdens of people. And the fact is, we bear burdens and our strength can be decayed. As a pastor, I can sort of relate to some of this. Maybe not the beatings, at least not physical ones, just verbal ones. The shipwrecks, right? I don't, I, I don't have the physical ailments, the physical problems that maybe Paul had. But as a pastor, I can sort of understand what he's talking about. Knowing that sometimes 
the things that you want to do or that you try to do are going to be resisted by some. Knowing that sometimes the people will sit in criticism of you or disparage you or with their words or with their attitudes when, when all you want to do is do right and all you want to do is help people and encourage people. Those kinds of things can be discouraging. They can be defeating. They can be burdens that you bear. You're not immune to that. You have your own. You know the evangelist George Whitfield. You've heard of him. He learned that it was more important to please God than to please men. Knowing that he was doing what was honoring to the Lord, that kept him from discouragement when he was falsely accused by those around him. And at one point in his ministry, Whitfield received a vicious letter accusing him of some wrongdoing. His reply was brief, but it was courteous. It simply said this, I thank you heartily for your letter. As for what you and my other enemies are saying against me, I know worse things about myself than you will ever say about me. With love in Christ, George Whitfield. He didn't try to defend himself. He was much more concerned about pleasing God than pleasing others. It just illustrates the point, though, that through life we can bear burdens, whether they're physical burdens, whether they're spiritual burdens, whether they're you know, emotional burdens. We bear them, and our strength can be decayed, and we can become discouraged. Whether it's the road of life that we have to walk or the burdens we bear, it weighs down and we can become discouraged. I know I'm speaking truth. Do you ever feel hopeless? Do you ever feel like, what's the point? That's the place that is ever so critical. That is the place where we need to recognize and we need to say, what do we do about it? How do we deal with it? Well, the word of God tells us there's a way to have joy and to keep from being discouraged. Let's go back to our text in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, and I want you to notice verse 7. We looked at the fact that life can be discouraging, but the word of God tells us how we can have joy and keep from being discouraged. Verse 7 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And I read that verse because it's sort of the tail end of it. It gives us perspective on what is happening in my life that the trial of my faith has real value to it. But I want to back up just a little bit because how do we keep from being discouraged? How do we have joy in our life? Well, the first thing is remembering that there, are, there is spiritual value in every trial. We read that in verse 7. We have to remember that there's spiritual value in every trial. The Bible says the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. 
There is spiritual value in every trial. This is where our mind has to go. If our mind is stuck on the circumstance, our mind is stuck on the hardship, or whatever it is that is bringing the discouragement, we're going to stay stuck there in the rut. And we need to realize there's a whole lot more going on here than just the physical circumstance. There's actually spiritual value here. The devil desires to defeat and discourage you through circumstances or through unfulfilled desires. That discouragement will trip you up and cause you to be defeated in your life and therefore unable to properly glorify God. When we realize that the trial of our faith, this test of our faith in God is precious, it's valuable, it's for eternity, and also remembering that God is still in control and that there's great purpose in store, that helps keep the right perspective. It's not eternal. I mean, the the circumstance is not going to be eternal, but the value of what can be taken out of this is eternal. We need to remember that there's spiritual value in every trial. But secondly, how else do we have joy and keep from being discouraged? Remembering that there's spiritual value in every trial. But secondly, remembering our lively hope. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know what? Our hope is alive. It's living. Our hope, our confident expectation, the hope of eternity with the Lord, the hope of resurrection with Christ. Listen, nothing can shake it. Nothing can take it away. Our hope, it's confident expectation. Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive. Listen, it's not a pie in the sky dream. We're not, talking about, we're not talking about just some religious jargon or something to try to convince people, uh, to deceive people. We're not talking about a pie-in-the-sky dream. We're talking about a sure thing. We're talking about something that is more solid than the ground you stand on. We're referring to something that is settled. It's secure. It's promised in the inerrant, infallible word of God. Listen, friend, the world might be in turmoil today, but those who are saved possess a hope that is out of this world. That alone should cause us to rejoice and to shout. Whatever the trial is, you know what? This world is not my home. And one of these days I'm going to be out of here. And I know it because Jesus Christ is alive. But Peter's not finished. See, these are things that can help us have the right perspective that can help keep us from being discouraged in life. Remember that there's spiritual value. Remember we have a lively hope. Nothing can shake it. But thirdly, remember our inheritance. Notice verse 4. He says, To an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, I don't know about you, but this tells me that my inheritance is eternal. It is not temporal. It is incorruptible. It's eternal. Peter's description here of this glorious 
inheritance, this glorious place. It warrants us looking at it a little bit deeper. And notice the three terms that he uses to describe this inheritance to which we are headed to in very positive fashion. Notice he says, first of all, that it's incorruptible. What that means is that it can't be destroyed. It's incorruptible. No enemy is ever going to set foot on that shore and destroy it. No enemy is going to come in and invade it and take it over. The people in Peter's day had seen the Roman legions destroy city after city after city. They understood what this meant. But he tells them about a land that is beyond the reach of all invaders. And Jesus said it this way. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. This place is incorruptible. It cannot be destroyed. That means it's eternal. And then he says, it's undefiled. It means it can't be defiled. Imagine that. That was amazing, right? It's undefiled. It can't be defiled. It literally means that it can't be soiled and it can't be stained. Heaven, unlike this world, which has been wrecked and ruined by sin, is completely untouchable by defilement and by things that have destroyed this world. Amen. None of the wretched evils that we see that mar this earth are going to rear their ugly heads in heaven. Things like death, amen? There's no more sorrow, no more dying, not in heaven. Things like sin, Satan, suffering, troubles. They're going to pass from our vocabulary when we reach eternal bliss and glory. Amen? Amen. This is our inheritance. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It can't be soiled. It can't be stained. Revelation 21 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Amen? My knee's been bothering me a lot. Some pain. But that's not even close to the emotional pain or hurt that we can feel. But in heaven, there's no more of that. Amen. The stupid, the petty, the ridiculous that we get ourselves wrapped up into in this life that causes pain and emotional turmoil for other people are all going to be gone. No more, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. The former things are passed away. That's what Revelation 21 4 says. The former things, the earthly things, they're passed away. Verse 27 says, And there shall be in no wise, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? That's our inheritance. That's the land. That's the place 
we look forward to as saints of God. And then Peter says, it fadeth not away. It fadeth not away. This phrase speaks of something that cannot wear away. All the great sights and all the great possessions of this world, it's all subject to decay. Your home, your car, your body, everything you see around you, it's in the process of decaying and fading away. Not heaven. That city is going to require no repairs, no fixing, no restoration. It's never going to wear away. It's eternal. This is what we have to look forward to. I think that's really important when it comes to dealing with discouragement in your life. Your troubles, your trials, the things that consume you so much right now that make your life difficult, that make you feel bad. Yeah, they're real. But they're temporary. Those things can defeat you and discourage you and make you, bring you to a point where you can't really even serve God anymore because you're so wrapped up in it. You know what it's time to do? It's time to remember that there's always spiritual value in trials. It's time to remember that this world is not my home. It's time to remember that I have an inheritance that's eternal. It's incorruptible. And the, and the last thing is verse 5. I need to remember that I am secure in the Lord. He is where my value is, not in anybody else. Look at verse 5. Who are kept a big word it's a small word letters wise but it's a huge word in its meaning who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time I need to remember my security I'm kept by the power of God no matter how hard things might seem to be how big and monumental the problem might be. There's nothing bigger or more powerful than God. Verse 5 says we're kept. The word means to be a watcher. It means to guard. It means to hem in. And it means to protect. What does that mean? I'm guarded. And I'm protected. By the power of God. Is there any power greater? What could be more secure than to be protected by the power of God? Amen? And Peter lays out this great salvation. And he encourages these people who've been persecuted, who've been forced to leave their homes, who were troubled. He encourages them in the promises to come. That is what you need to look at. It's eternal. And he says, it's a lively hope. It should give you comfort in all circumstance. And here's the truth. And here's the, the whole point of the message right now. When you find this in your life and you're discouraged, the way to be joyful is to keep your eyes on your glorious future and not on the present circumstance. That's it. My value is in the Lord. 
My eternity is settled in the Lord. I'm kept by his power. There are things he wants to do in my life now through this. I see that. That all points to the goodness of God and the character of God for me. I am not going to be defeated or discouraged. There is hope. These are principles that we need pretty much every day. We can get out of touch with faith in the Lord because of a lack of use. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants us to walk by faith, to trust him. He wants us to be rich in faith, faith in him. And those fiery trials of verse 7 are there to produce more faith. That our faith might be found unto the praise and glory and honor of Jesus Christ at his appearing. The conclusion really should be drawn in this. That the trials we face, instead of bringing discouragement about in our life, they actually ought to be opportunities for us to learn to praise the Lord. Through faith in him. Praise him. Why? Because praise actually helps defeat discouragement in life. We ought to praise him. Number one, because I'm saved. Verse five tells me I'm kept by the power of God. I ought to praise him. Number two, because I have a home in heaven. Verse four tells me that my inheritance is incorruptible. I ought to praise him because I'm still, even in the midst of trial, protected by the power of God. Verse five tells me that. And number four, I ought to praise him because this time of trial, it's for a season. But it has eternal value. Amen? If you're discouraged today, Get your eyes off the circumstance. Get your eyes off what's going on. Get your eyes on the Lord. Get your eyes on your future. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, amen, we have a lively hope. Let's not be discouraged or defeated because it's only going to keep us from serving the Lord, giving glory to God, amen? I hope that's encouraging to you because the word of God is encouraging to me too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the day. It's been a blessing. Thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the power of God. He swallowed up death. Victory over the grave. Victory over sin. We have victory because and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we face some trials in life sometimes and Things can be emotionally damaging and hurtful and things can be physically painful and you can have turmoil. But in all of those things, Lord, I pray that God's people would not become defeated or discouraged. But again, we'd remember the fact that we have a lively hope We're kept by the power of God. There's so much more beyond right now. And Lord, that we would live victorious Christian lives, an example to this world that's lost, that is 
discouraged and defeated and hopeless. So much hopelessness in this world. Father, I pray that we would live rich, rich in faith. What a testimony to those who need hope. Use your word in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.